welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to another episode of with the Disability, No Big Deal. Today, our, my guests are Greg Mullins and El Bolt. Hi, guys. Good day, Brad. We are very excited to have a special guest. Brad, who is that special guest today? Janelle Bolt. She's a, she's a hell of a go-getter and all that. She's makes us look like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, and talking to Nell and seeing what she does, I am absolutely amazed that it's similar to a hamster on a wheel, Brad. Don't you get that impression with Tanel? Because I am telling you what, I don't even know when she has time to breathe. This woman sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. So really excited, I'm incredibly Brad. flattered and glad to be here. Thanks, guys. Oh, my gosh. No. I'm... Yeah. She, she's got to be superwoman. I think I know why she made her organization rad, because she is rad. She is. <laughs> it absolutely yes. fits to a T. Yes, yeah, involved in a lot of things. So that, yeah. The pun was intended. It fits to a T. <laughs> yes, indeed, it indeed. It does. Uh, Tanel, can you give us just a brief background on the Rat Society, that recreation-adapted uh, nonprofit charity that you started up there? Absolutely. So I reside in British Columbia, Canada, and six years ago, at 27 years old, I sustained a spinal cord injury in a recreational accident where it left me with no insurance coverage and really very little help as an independent living adult to continue an independent active lifestyle without any support. Uh, There is support north of the border with individuals who are on the podium as well as the children. And so I had jumped into a gap that exists in the system where if you're an adult and you want to be a role model for your kids or other individuals that are living with mobility challenges without actually having to purchase your own equipment, there is no means of going to try it before you buy it. There's no rental adaptive equipment. There's no surplus of inventory in one location where you can go and know that you can potentially access gear that will allow you to play your way. Wow. So that's my charity. It started in 2017. It's an incorporated uh, registered charity across Canada and looking at future incorporation, not-for-profit south of the border in the U.S. as well. Okay. Now, to know what category or types of people can benefit from that organization? Anybody who has a mobility challenge, any adult, independent living adult who has a mobility challenge, be it cerebral palsy, MS, aging, you know, we're all either aging with a disability or into a disability. So nobody's exempt from the, the, the RAD mandate. Uh, 
you know, from sit on top e-assist bikes for somebody that fatigues to a recumbent hand cycle for somebody that can't use their legs at all. Uh, tandem hand cycles, or sorry, tandem bikes for the visually impaired so somebody can be guided around and still enjoy the fresh air and the bike oh and the my. physical activity and the camaraderie. So huh. anybody that is, I really have to wash the stereotype of me being in a wheelchair because I get asked how many people in wheelchairs are you helping? Yeah. And they're missing the point. I, yeah, I can't, I can't see how you would miss that point. It's like hitting you on the head with a bat or something. It's so obvious. Well, it's because I reside in a wheelchair. So they only think I'm helping people like me. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that is a conception that might be out there for sure. Well, that's kind of like us, Greg, only with roll ramp too. Same thing. What's that regarding? Well, with you know the um, the ramps can only when they first started they only get up and they thought they could only help people in wheelchairs, you know. Oh yeah, exactly. That was so, the whole market. So yeah, so. You know, uh, I'm gonna ask you a question about uh, your your Paris, your scheme. Are you gonna do it competitively someday, or are you? I pursued it really quickly, competitively, with the creation of the charity in order to gain traction as being a competitive alpine downhill ski racer. Oh sure. However. I dislocated my shoulder before my real first training season when I was surfing into Fino. Oh, man. And then I went back on the ski hill too soon. I was healing appropriately. And then I was on a Delta air flight and they dropped me on the airplane and re-injured my shoulder. I've been forever dealing with the repercussions of re-injuring a acute injury so shoulders were bad and then i gave myself my first major concussion that first season as well probably six weeks into the season i fell high side and broke my helmet into three pieces and oh was severely concussed so oh i i tried continued to try for the next two seasons afterwards and i just oh crushed my. my body and my soul oh my gosh i can't imagine that you actually even continued because Shoulders, okay, you need shoulders in your business of being in a wheelchair. And uh, I can't imagine your mobility with all these. It seems like it's a higher risk sport. So when you do so many other things on your, on your collage of activities, what's going to lengthen that, elongate that career in doing those is going to be uh, helped by reducing those. I mean, that's extreme in the first place to do for that. <laughs> Bear skiing is extreme to start with. And then when you, you know, start bundling up injuries, it's like, wait a minute, I'm still young yet. I don't want to be, you know, disabled. So certainly. I turned around and picked up golf. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. Well, see. you Cross-country skiing, golf. I took the surfboard into the flat water and paddled it. And I shipped my sit ski to a gentleman in Whitehorse. And then because I have some PTSD issues with surfing and waves that I had no business being in when I did dislocate my shoulder. Um, I've detached myself from the ocean for a minute and I'm oh. sorting my life out in the flat water. <laughs> I like it. Well, you know, that's kind of comes with, I don't know, 
not age, I guess. In my case, it comes with age, but you just, you aren't going to be like 18 forever, you know? So you need to do go preservation mode to get all that extra. Although it's still, it's not like, you know, you're just golfing, you're doing a lot of stuff. So, you know, on another note, can you tell us a little bit about that, basically that disability acts, abilities uh, pod idea you have with the storage container, the gearbox, I think you call it? Yeah, the RAD gearbox. So with RAD Recreation Adapted Society, my initial intent was to hold an inventory of this adaptive equipment and have it available for individuals across BC and eventually across Canada. And it's a potential to be an international organization and deal, but that quickly became something that wasn't super feasible because if I am not from that location, then it is very hard for the community to pick it up and, and own that initiative. So I found that if I was to drop equipment in a community and I'm not from there, it's going to start collecting dust in three months. So we came up with the rad gearbox idea, which is a, initiative that a community can invest in so a 20-foot shipping container retrofit into a wheelchair accessible adaptive rental gear shop roll up garage door on the side ramped out inside there's a five-foot accessible workbench got all your tools if it's in the proper location we can put solar on it so it'll be off the grid low in environmental impact super high social impact have it accessible by pin pad in your cell phone. So limited hand function is okay to be able to get inside and access this stuff. And then have the community raise awareness. So a community that desires this, once this program is built, the prototype has been approved in Squamish, BC, which is directly between Vancouver and Whistler on the Sea to Sky Highway. It's the perfect place. It's the birthplace of recreation at four seasons all the time. So the Parks and Rec Department has approved the prototype to go there and facilitate the building of this uh, up towards the feasibility study that will be dropped in hopefully four or five locations across the province. And then getting the backing of the government is sort of the following step after that so that it can be subsidized. But a community would call RAD. RAD shows up with a big trailer wrapped like the gearbox, all the equipment inside. We host a big event. You start to raise money. You bring in people. You raise awareness. And you raise the desire of the community to want to include the people that they love until they can't do it anymore. So you either have never participated independently or you've lost the ability to do so, or you are losing the ability to do so. So this coming to your community, the rad gearbox, or whatever you want to call it, if the Fargo gearbox shows up in your community, it's not only accessible to the people that live there, their families and friends, but to all the tourist population that wants to come and experience this. And if we're traveling with our wheelchair already, the chances that we want to pack a bike and a hiking unit and a paddle device and a beach wheelchair to go and actually have fun with the rest of everybody are slim to none. That's it. That's the gearbox in a nutshell. <laughs> I mean, that's basically a, you know, it's like a thrift store or a, 
where you go yep. in and it's got everything. It's like, and it, and the thing, it would be uh, awareness and indeed education because a lot of these uh, devices and services that are, you would be offering likely may not even be known or be aware of. Uh, and if it was, it might've been only in a picture or somebody told them about it. But if you can go actually experience it, that's like a 3D experience. So that is a great idea to get the uh, the community to subsidize and have the organization or the communities support them because it's a great fundraiser. I mean, it's an excellent fundraiser. It's a great uh, mission statement in and of itself. This pod idea, so super socially minded. Yeah, yeah. It's see how far. Uh, <laughs> I know it's always a work in progress, so it's a loaded question, but. How, uh, what kind of progress have you made on the uh, RAD uh, gearbox? We've got the 20 foot shipping containers sitting with a bunch of adaptive equipment right now on Vancouver Island, currently just looking for the funding to have it retrofit. And then we will be looking at creating the QR code education system that is attached to every single piece of equipment in the thing. And as that's happening, we will be opening it up in Squamish sort of all at the same time. Um, I would like to see it launched next spring. Wow. Well, that's very ambitious and uh, good luck. It's been a work in progress for about a year and a half already. So how much does it cost to get it retrofitted? 15 grand. Okay. Well, you know what? That's, that's reasonable. Yep. Yeah. I've broken it out. Like I own the container already and I've owned the container for a year and the equipment has been amalgamating over the three years. So I don't have extra equipment, right? I'm going to have to fill a trailer full of equipment as well in order to be mobile and promote across British Columbia, and then also rep the equipment to the medical suppliers and retailers that in order to sell a piece of adaptive equipment to somebody that's covered by insurance, most insurance providers require the individual applying to experience that equipment with their OT or their physio or one of the professionals in before that they'll get approved for it. So, and these companies are not going to stock and hold adaptive equipment. It's too specialized, it's too expensive, and it's too big. No, no. All of the excuses in the world are coming, would fire at me. So I am going to be trying, again, this will launch in the spring as well. And I'm hoping to get some staff and volunteers on board to do this. So it's not me on the road with a chicken, like a chicken with my head cut off, but I'll yeah, do that. indeed, indeed, yeah. Once it's uh, hopefully you can get it established, and then you know you can have the you know be able to offer the support that the gearbox needs. You know, as you as you get bigger and you know stuff like that. So great idea. So kudos to you on that. That's definitely an aggressive goal to attain, and you're fighting. Well, if I didn't have the support of my my board and my close circle of friends and my lawyer team none of this would happen (laughs) well yeah and then you throw in working with the government too and then it gets real fun right so 
Yeah, I'm less worried about them because they've just so missed the mark. Everybody has so missed the mark and they want to talk about inclusion. Well, I've never heard of disability included in that statement. So I will go and make it very public knowledge that they are wrong in how they are doing things if this isn't adopted as something that they're going to promote as their own. Jeez, you know, when you just said that, Brad, what does that sound like to you? Crip camp. Yes, it does. Have you ever yeah, seen so, that? Yeah, we're going to be, I'm working on rad retreats and they're going to be coming out with the ex travel experience company that I'm working on so that we'll be able to host retreats in certain locations across Western Canada to start off with that is like similar to a Crip Camp style. But all of this was actually in motion before the movie came out. So it's kind of neat how it's happened. Yeah, it is. And it's just uh, like what they did in the 60s to basically help spur the actual signing of that, that one law. And then, of course, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the ADA law. So, yeah. Yeah, we um, still don't have one of those in Canada. So we're just like 30 years behind. Do you have something similar to the ADA at all? Do you have any form of Zero. America. You have got we to have be kidding negative. me. We have negative. If people you get parking tickets in handicap accessible parking spots, they can go into the town and the town will get rid of them. Wow. Wow. We are so far behind. I can't believe it because we have places like uh, Malta and Lebanon and Israel. And these places are all, uh, have all called over the, over the past you know, several years because their countries, which you have to look at a globe to find the country. I mean, literally nearly every civilized country uh, has adopted or is adopting uh, awareness and laws for compliance from 80 for uh, ADA. So that's why I'm shocked. We uh, have suggestions, but when I bring up the ADA in Canada, I get told we're not them. And I said, well, at least go by a minimum standard because these Canadians, you got your head stuffed in the sand. We're not them who we're not disabled Americans. What kind yeah, of a we're statement not them. is we're that? Not, we're not America. I was like, yes, we're, yeah, we're not American, at least well, go by minimum standards. They're saying that you're you're not a disabled American, so... No, but I'm a disabled Canadian. They don't even get the logic, the rhetoric. In I'm, their a, own I'm a disabled Californadian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you surf as a Canadian? I said California. Where do you surf? <laughs> <laughs> Not surfing in the cold water. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I wouldn't put it past you, though, Janelle. I absolutely. If somebody challenged you, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll think about that. Oh, no, I did. That's where my injury happened. I just haven't got over it and got back in the water Yeah, beyond no. just floating and paddling when the tide's up. But that's it. No, no waves. No waves up here. <laughs> well, here's a kind of a non-work-related non question. What do you like to do for your downtime? No, I mean, literally when you're not going, what are your hobbies when you aren't busy with all your other activities? Or Honestly, do you, ha or do you have any? I don't. I've made my hobbies my career. I made my hobby of decorating and design. I went to school for interior design. I've been in consulting with barrier-free adapt like recreation and design of public spaces with airports 
community pools, um, cities with developments of, <clears throat> sorry, their peers on the lake. Um, so that was, that was a passion. Design was a, design was a hobby. I made it into a job prior to my injury happening. And then I've just morphed it because I can't be on the building job sites anymore as easily. And then I just love to play outside. So people ask me what I do for work and I tell them I'm fun employed. Oh my gosh. But I don't make any money yet, right? I just do all this stuff for high fives, hugs, and handshakes mostly. Oh, the consulting yeah. makes a little, just enough to, you know, continue to do better for people, but it doesn't provide me anything where I can pay my own rent. But certainly, I guess your downtime is when you're sleeping, huh? Yep. <laughs> Basically, in a nutshell. Well, I, it, it takes me, you know, you guys know, with wheelchair life, it just takes a lot longer to do life. So my time, my downtime is spent stuck in the bathroom. My downtime is spent, you know, stuck fighting with equipment and bags. And like, <laughs> you know, this is like, if I get downtime, I am reorganizing my vehicle that has had stuff in it since November. And I've got three duffel bags full of stuff that hasn't been like that's my downtime is like, I need to organize my life so I can continue. <laughs> or if my brain looks like my, my van does, then it's nothing's going to get accomplished. You know, what would you say to a person that is became disabled and they're wondering what, 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 what is their life worth? They're, they're not going to be worth anything now because their girlfriend left or, they weren't left. worth anything in the first place if they left. <laughs> but uh, no, it's welcome to the coolest club you never wanted to be a part of. That's, that's a good answer because when my you don't ever want to be here, but this is by far has the most, what's the word? It's just like a real people or just the relationship, like the level of relationships that I've, and friendships and lifelong, you know, partnerships and things with peers and strangers. And this is a network of people like Greg, you were saying we've been in conversations for together over a year now. And this is the first time we've been verbally communicating really in, in any sort of manner beyond business. Uh, and that happens all the time in a community, especially with social media the way it is now, I can cold call and reach out to athletes and people all over the world. And because everybody at one point or another has felt very alone in their disability or their ability or their injury or their just life with whatever they've been dealt is like, we're very fortunate in the information age and the tech age that we have the ability to you know, COVID would have looked a lot different had we not still been able to be face-to-face -face with everybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great answer. Because I, I, felt, I felt kind of alone when my fiance passed away. I didn't know which way to turn because she was my attendant. She was my better half. She was my... Uh, well, I would. I don't want to do it today. Come on, Brad. You know, she would push me. It's it's a little different now. 
Well, even with my parents being together all the time, right, they're still married. They'll spend their entire life together, which I'm so fortunate and blessed to have been raised by a team. Uh, but that said, I also saw what happened with my grandparents who were together forever. And then if one goes and they haven't set themselves up with a strong network of people and like that, that web of individuals outside of that nuclear family, whoever that nuclear family is, because if that nuclear family explodes for any reason, you need that backup system. You need that backup web of people that are going to be there to step up to help you because I don't know, shit's gone sideways. Yeah. And, and the thing is with my, I mean, now with my kids getting older, they don't come and see dad very often. So that's, that's different, and I, and I understand too. They got a life, but I also know that I got some friends I didn't think I had. That happened, and I'm glad they're all. You know, I can reach out and talk to them if I want to. So that helps. So well, yeah, and becoming disabled and say, where do I go now? All that—that's what I did. You know, I was hurt in a hunting accident, and my life was changed in the blink of an eye. And I went from like. Joe active hunter fisherman guy to I'm like lying in a bed right and I can't even move my toes so anyway you know I got better and better than they thought I'd be and I'm in a chair now but you make a conscious decision basically right away in fact mine wasn't mine was a subconscious decision to to just move ahead but you just have that mindset that okay I'm going to get up I'm going to lift my foot with this strap and do whatever you got to do so I think I think, uh, Tanel, you pretty much hit the ground running uh, in your situation. So, you know, it just takes a strong will. Yeah, well, I was a I was a bodybuilder and a fitness competitor when I hurt myself. So I was very aware of how the body breaks down and how you build it back up and anatomy and physiology and I consciously made a decision and I jumped off of a bridge into a river and on impact of the water or something floating down the water I had a compression fracture my t5 t6 sternum two ribs 14 spinous processes I made the decision overrode all my intuition and suffered consequences for my actions so if I sat there and pouted and blamed anybody like what does that what that's not that's not how I was raised suffering consequences for your actions and then turning around and being mad at the world because you made the wrong decision is not the way to cope with life. That's what I did. Uh, in my, same as me. I, I made the decision to build a uh, homemade blind, which looked like a great idea. Homemade deer stand with a piece of yeah. plywood. And uh, I uh, stepped on a branch and I don't even remember the fall, but I, uh, of course it was a stupid decision. And uh, I mean, I just never thought I never looked back uh, at all, but, it looks like to now, like we're getting close to your. Thank you for being mindful of time. <laughs> yeah, I just want to ask you one really quick question. Where do you see Rad Society in ten years from now? What where do you, what do you see? I see communities. I see a waiting list of communities that want the ad mobile and promotional tools to show up in their community to start raising awareness and seeing these gearboxes in Squamish across BC up into the Yukon Northwest Territories, Alberta, which is where wow. the, the travel experience company is launching next year. 
and then across Canada, I want the American stateside not-for-profit going the 501c3. I would like to see gearboxes starting to show up in developing nations. You know, they don't wow. need to fancy, they don't need to be big, but they need to have four basketball wheelchairs and a wheelchair and the and the roller ramp so that they can be attached at the curb cut or like you know on the curbs where it's 12 to 16 inch curbs because they have monsoon rains in places Uh like albania and they can't get around so i'm in contact with ngos in albania right now as well as the retreats going I'd like to see us on Netflix with retreats, adaptive, rad retreats all over and on board with Parks Canada so that our parks are accessible by equipment. You can get in a hiking wheelchair, potentially right at a trailhead and a gearbox just lives there and it's all supported. Parks Canada decals on the side, they've paid for it. The government is supporting it. Uh, 10 years down the road, I want this lightning bolt and the rad logo to be recognized as something that's barrier free and welcoming to people and not no longer looking for that handicap logo, the blue wheelchair guy. There are not all of like, we are a small percentage of the people that need this stuff. Why are we looking for a wheelchair? That's not it. There's canes, there's walkers, there's neuro fatigue, there's invisible disabilities. There's just like, why the wheelchair? such a horrible thing to be looking for your whole life is like a blue tag like do i need it tattooed on my forehead you can obviously (laughs) see if i require the space because of the wheelchair i got the wheelchair with me it's everybody else well that certainly uh, takes away the next question about worldwide because uh, you certainly answered that and certainly as an ambitious very ambitious goal you know i have contacts you know in countries all over the world so maybe we can network Uh, i have some very good partners so Oh, Greg, you're stuck with me as a partner, so. (laughs) Well, I guess here we are. Here we are together. So once again, thank you for your time. And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign it off here. So, Brad, do you want to sign it off with Tanel? Yeah. Thank you for listening to another podcast of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. And thank you, Tanel. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, we'll see you again some. Talk to you soon, I hope, and uh, hopefully you can come to North Dakota when we get the, when we get the Buffalo Jam up and going, we'll invite you to join some music. Yeah, well, you got to first figure out your COVID circus down there, and then we'll when, then we'll talk. Yeah, man, and maybe we'll be raising enough money to come to Canada and then give you some ramps. I'll be up with my fiance, so I'll be yep. willing to do that. Nope, that sounds great. Stay in touch, you guys. All right. Thanks, Janelle. Ciao. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Rolleramp, this podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. Special thanks to Dopey T for his original music. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.